Yo, it's definitely Cloud Chaser TV, man. We back up in this thing again, you dig? Hey, man, we got a very special guest, man. A legend, man. Uh, OG uh, from Athens Park. Uh, can you introduce yourself? Uh, my name, my government name is Christopher Hawthorne. I go by Cree Cree from Athens Park. And some know me as Cali Cree, which is short for California Cree. Got you. Got you, man. Man, we appreciate you blessing our platform today, man. Uh, giving us your story, man. We definitely... um. We know that you got a book that just came out, uh, Power of Love 2, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. We'll get into that in just a moment, man. But but uh, take us back, man. Like, um, I know coming up at this part, you know, some of us heard the story, but a lot of us haven't. Um, When it comes down to, like, you know, the 1980s, like, what was it like in the 80s? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the early 80s was, you know, uh, premature hip-hop, breakdancing, uh, pop lock and graffiti. You know, DJing, you know, uh, all that until 86 when the crack influx the neighborhoods. Then, you know, everything shifted. Everybody wanted to get a piece of the pie. Everybody wanted to sell crack, get money. No, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. So, like, um, so in the 80s, like, um, what's, you know, with the Athens part, um, I know that you, you know, um, your book is called Paru Love. So, was it any uh, Paru's in Athens Park during this time? Right, our hood, our hood back in the day was not really split up in two, but we had a, another. Um, we had a generation of pyrus came up and uh, on one side of our neighborhood, uh, which was known as the Rolling One Thirty Pyrus, which is a um, a subsidiary to the West Side Pyrus. And uh, early on, you know, like my my my, my stepbrother, they were all pyrus. However, when we came up by eighty five. We all converted, you know, we all was on one page and it was Athens Park. Got you, got you. No doubt, no doubt. So, so like when there's like during this time, you know, we hit we hear the stories, you know, because it definitely changed a little bit in the 2000s, you know. Um, we'll get there, but like far as um, blood, love, like one blood, like everybody who was blood, they was pretty much it was one one solid thing, no matter what hood you was from. Right, right. Back though, no, back in the 80s. Because we was outnumbered, you know, for every one blood, there was probably like six or seven crips. So it didn't matter what hood you was from, shit, you was a blood, a pyro. I mean, it wasn't no, now they kind of like, they kind of separate a little bit because they be like, well, I ain't the blood, I'm a pyro, or I'm a this, that. All that, everything that was on the red team was together. You know, we was homies. It was one blood, blood, love. And, you know, we was the underdogs. We was outnumbered. But, however, you know, over the years, homies done got deep. So now... They got deep. They done started all that division and the separation. Gotcha. Gotcha. And like, um, y'all didn't see any of that separation. Like, it was, none of that separation came out in the eighties. Like, you didn't, you couldn't see that going, you know, Hell moving nah. forward. No, sir. I'm talking. I could go. I could go to any hood, shoot dice, win somebody's dice game. I got to go worry about my head getting blown off. Now, you win a hundred dollars in somebody's hood, they plotting to kill your ass. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, that's right. right about that. So, like, uh, you know, you first get incarcerated, you first go to prison, you went to prison in the 80s, right? The early 80s, or was it the well, late 80s? I went to I, I went to fire camp, I was still a juvenile in the early 80s, fighting fires. Uh, I, I ended up going to federal prison like 19 months later as an adult for uh distribution of crack cocaine, you know, done what they call the crack law. Which is when you get caught with uh, whatever, whatever you get, whatever you get caught with, it was a hundred times greater. So if I got caught with one key, it was it was equivalent to a hundred keys. 
Hmm. That was the law that they had out. So that was that was putting a lot of brothers in jail. So and, and if you had two, what was it, two ounces, fifty grams of crack, it, it triggered a mandatory minimum of ten years, automatically. Hmm. Wow. You know? Wow. And that's how a lot of people got caught up, and they started doing sweeps. You know, from from one one end of the map to the other, and, and they would just fill the prisons up. So I went in a young age. I went in nineteen ninety. I was nineteen. I didn't get out until I was thirty seven. I did 17 years and 10 months in federal prison. Yeah. And like, like I know you, like before you went in, like to get you there, um, you was talking about, like I seen on the interview, you was talking about the crack ep- epidemic and um, like basically like when you came home, now crack is at full force. Right. You know, and um, you know, you wanted to make some money and hop in and shit. Like, like when you, when you first hop in, do you see like a major, like influx of money? Like you start to make a lot of money. Well, when I, when, well, okay. When it, when crack first hit, it hit hard anyway. It hit, it just hit hard. Okay, but we wasn't really taking it serious. I went to jail. I went to fire camp and came back, and then everybody was kind of like, you know, they was reaping the benefits from it, you know, for selling drugs. So I was like, okay, well, I did it before, but you know, everybody was hitting OT because it was it was double the money. You know, you mm-hmm. get more for your money, so more bang for your buck. So yeah, you know, so when I got out, I, was, I took it a little bit more serious. So I was like, you know, I, I got kind of got into the dope game a little bit more, you know, just more focused on it, more serious about it. No, no doubt, no doubt. So, so yeah, so now, um, you know, now they they got these crack laws coming about. Did you know anything about these these crack laws that they was putting in place? Um, no, no, that the, they slid that crack law in in '88. They passed the law in 1988, the mandatory minimum, and I don't know if they started. You know, like using it. Uh, I had a few friends that got caught in uh, Oklahoma, and they was telling me about it. They would just, they used to always just say, "Don't have it hard, keep it soft." You know, keep the dope soft, keep it soft. You don't want it cooked up. Like man, nobody walk around with no soft dope. I want this shit already, ready hard. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't have it in a, in a, in a cook form. So they, we, but he was trying to tell us about, you know, the crack law. We was, we was like, man, we ain't trying to hear that. You know, you, you know. When you out there on the streets, you feel like you're invincible. So you, you and you don't think it can happen to you. So we're like, man, we ain't trying to hear that shit. Two years later, bam, bust our hands open. <laughs> wow. Gotcha. Yeah. So now you yeah. go to federal. Now you in federal prison, man. Like, um, you know what? It, what? It, like when you first get there, like what was your? Like what was you thinking? When I when I first when I first went to federal prison, I had a boatload of time, so I was still young and I was gang banging. So. I went in gang banging. You know what I'm saying? I went in gang banging. It wasn't that many bloods. It was a lot of crips. Um, I, my first spot was Inglewood, Colorado, and Inglewood, Colorado is more like a um, it's a youth youth federal act. You know, they put like youngsters in there from 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 18 to 25. So that was my first spot, and uh, you know, I was I just had a gang of time, man. I, I didn't care. I didn't, you know, I was just wilding out, man. Staying here, getting kicked out of one prison, going up, man. I've been so many prisons and so many institutions. Uh, you know, back in the back in the day, they didn't have that many federal prisons as they do now. But you know, I was getting ping pong and shuffled back and forth to a lot of federal prisons. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard you talk about like some of the activities they had back then in federal prisons. Like when you first got in there, that they took out like you was able to play golf and uh, yeah, you was able y'all to was play. Having parties and stuff. Can you talk about that? Yeah, they had, when I got there, they had, 
video games. They had all the cable shit. They had uh, uh, vending machines. They had money. Used to have quarters, rolls of quarters. Uh, they had putt putt golf, so you walk around with golf clubs. <laughs> uh, they had um, what else? They had oh, you could get packages, so you could get different clothes uh, sent in. Not the stuff they sold the conversation. Like you could get some stuff sent in, like robes, house shoes. Yeah, uh, and you wear colors back then. They would let you wear red and blue. It was it was you have keyboards back then, so it it made the time you know it made the time way easier. You know, but then they started when they started when they started uh, implementing that that crack law. When they started blocking people for that crack law, they started bringing a lot of young blacks in, and it kind of shift it shift the system, man. It, it, the the system shifted because <laughs> it was a lot of dudes. You got to think, D.C., Baltimore, New York, Houston. They was locking up all the youth from the, all these different cities: yeah. Detroit, L.A., San Diego, Oakland. So it was nothing but youngsters coming to jail for crack. A lot of people coming to jail. You go to jail, there's a yard full of young people on there. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, like, so now you got, like, um. so now you're in prison. you in prison, and um. I know you came across a few different people. I know you um. You came across Free Ray Rick Ross. Free Ray, Free Ray Rick. Uh, Ray Ray Brown is out of Pasadena. Uh, Doc Holliday out of Pasadena. John Gotti. Uh, Noah Roberts, which is uh, Noah Roberts is um, is Jesse Jackson's brother mm. uh, out of uh, Chicago. They like you know, I, they I know you, rookers. yeah. They're rookers. They had uh, and then Jeff Fort, Big Jeff Fort, and his son. I was locked up with his son, the Prince, and uh, Big Prince Wakita. I uh, love Fort, love Fort, yeah, little Fort, yeah. He passed away, little Fort, yeah. Uh, I was in uh, Wisconsin with him, and I was locked up with his daddy in Marion, uh, uh Marion, Illinois. Got you, got you. What type of relationship did like was it a uh issue? You know, you being from Chicago, I mean, you being from uh, California and they being from Chicago or any of them nah, guys. Nah. No, we know, you know, we both on the red team, so it was all good. <laughs> I got you, I got you. You know what I'm saying? We all on the red team, you know. Soon I got there, they made sure I was straight. Oh, that's what's up. You that's know, what's up. Commissary, you know, weapons, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, as soon as I hit the yard, what's up, blood? You straight? I said, Yeah, I need a few things, and then whatever I asked, they got it to me, you know, they gave it to me. And I was invited to all their picnics and all they, all they, all they little the little dealings that they had, mm-hmm. uh, uh, their services and in, in the, in the religion, all that, you know. Yeah, Juma. Say again. Juma. Yeah, Juma exactly. Juma yeah. and Quans uh, and all that type of stuff. So yeah, but no, I was it was, lo- it was I was in um, Oxford, Wisconsin with Little Fort, and it's a lot of Chicago people there, you know, uh, in Wisconsin. No, no doubt, no doubt. So like um. You know, I know, like you said, the John Gotti. Like, once you, wasn't you in prison with uh, John Gotti when he had that incident when um, they said that he had got beat up of some sort? Right. Yeah, I, I was. I was. Uh, I came right after that. <laughs> right after that. <laughs> Did he talk about it alone in the yard? Uh, yeah, he like told, he told, once we got to kicking it, he told me what happened. You know, he was like, man, you know, he he let it he get he let it get his fifteen minutes fame. It wasn't nothing because it was, you know, it, it was more or less an issue of. Uh, because in Marion is Marion is all bars. There's no um, doors. So if I and then they have pull up bars in front of certain people's cells in a dip bar. So mm-hmm. if, you know if I want to come and work out, I probably had to do some pull ups right in front of your cell. So in order for you to not see me, you put a blanket up, but you still can hear me. So you know, and then he he, he asked 
Uh, I guess he said something about the noise, and you know, then uh, they do say something, but then he came off. They un- they un- they um unracked his door to do something and to do attack him or something something like that. But he told about it, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't no big deal. He didn't it wasn't he didn't he didn't swear it. Gotcha. And I know you spoke on it before, but um, just just the people who don't know, um, you know, some people they they had um some type of way they thought that John Gotti was uh, racist against like black people. So like you you know y'all living in that basically the same house because I remember you said it was what thirteen people went pretty much in thirteen right. hotels. It was it was only the the tier can only hold um seventeen cells, and I think on the tier only had thirteen up top and like twelve bottom. So it was like twenty five people in the whole unit itself. So I mean you know the unit we was in was all blacks. Mm. It was all black and Mexican. So I mean he wasn't trying to he wasn't trying to get over there with the white boys that he was trying to stay clear away from them. So, I mean, he, I, I mean, you know, he, we, we, we talked every day. So, I mean, yeah. I it, we went to wreck every day. We kicked it every day. I mean, you know, I don't know what he, what he did the past, but I know when we was there, he was respectful and we, we, we chopped it up every day like men, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know his background, what he did to some blacks or how he don't like whatever, you know, I don't know the, the, the New York politics or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But I know when we was dealing with each other, it was all respect. Gotcha. 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 So like um just like doing like the like doing federal prison. So it's not it, at this time it wasn't that many of them, correct? It wasn't, right, it wasn't that, that many, many institutions. Of them. So like how violent was it? Like all of them was pretty violent since they gotta house all the you know Yeah, I mean you had you had back then you had Long Polk, Long Polk prison, you had um Lewisburg, Terre Hut, Leavenworth. Atlanta, and then you had uh, about one uh, one more, but they didn't have that many. U.S. US a USP stands for United States Penitentiary. That's the that's the that's the high level. Uh, you know, uh, Marion and um, Florence ADX is the is the max. You know, that's the max. That's where you locked up twenty one hours. Twenty one hours. You locked up twenty one hours a day and three hours a wreck. But that's for uh, you know you, you got to really be a bad actor to get to that level. You know what I'm saying? So you, once you get to Marion and ADX, you know that's that's the the maximum security. You know what I'm saying? So you go uh, underneath that is the USP, this is the prisons. Then you had the FCI, which is a federal correctional institution, and then you had the FPC, the federal prison camp, which is a low level. So yeah, I mean you know I started off in a medium and was stuck, went all the way up to. Uh, 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 21-hour lockdown, I went to the um, Marion, and I was kind of like able to lock it down, but I stayed in the USP. I never went back down to a medium level. I was just, I was just stuck in the twilight zone. Hmm. <laughs> gotcha. Just stuck. So, like, when you, now when it comes to your book, you got the first book, uh, Paru Love. Um, one, did, did you write that in prison, or? Yes, I wrote Paru Love in prison uh, after reading uh, are you familiar with Triple Crown Productions? Yes. Uh, Triple Crown Triple Crown, Triple Crown. Pro- yeah the um, publications yeah the yeah. chick out of Ohio somewhere but she had a lot of uh, content uh, through Triple Crown and that, that those books was flooded in the uh, federal institutions. She sold a, I mean she sold a lot of books in prison. People was reading those. I mean they were good stories you know a lot of drug stories a lot of you know hood stories and after a while they became uh, you know, it, it, this it became repetitive. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I uh, 
I said, I told my celly, I said, man, I'm going to write my own story, man. And these stories are cool. Don't get me wrong. But I think I got an interesting story, too. He was like, man, get with it. So I got, I started getting with it in 06. I wrote my first book called The Almighty Dollar, Anthos Park. That was the name of it. And I, I wrote it. And I wrote it until I got released. I got released in 08. But when I got out of 08, I threw the book in the closet. I didn't even, I was like, to hell with that book. <laughs> I'm back on the streets with that book. You know what I'm saying? So I got back on the streets and I got locked back up for uh, a, a violation. Mm-hmm. So when I got back in there, I said, man, let me get back on my book. That's probably what happened. I got locked up playing with that damn book. So uh, I wrote Pyro Love because when I was in jail, one of my tight homeboys, his name was Hot Dog from Westside Pyro. He was ki- he got killed in my neighborhood, man. We grew up as, as kids, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of dedicate that book to him and another one of my homeboys named Kango from Westside Pyro. You know, they both passed while I was incarcerated. I've been knowing them since we was kids, so... I, I, that's what kind of that's what kind of started me to write the book, thinking about them. So it was like a dedication to them. So yeah, I wrote I wrote Pyro Love Part One, and I had another book called The FBOP, where I was writing two books at the same time. When I get rolled, when I get a mental block in one book, I would go to the other one and start writing. So I did. I wrote two books in one year, and uh, when I got, I, you know, I was like I'm gonna be more serious about. It. So I was just you know getting the copywritten, uh, doing everything I needed to do to get it. Uh, when I get out, I can, you know, it'll be an easy um, process of getting it published. So, you know, I did it and I put it out. Me and my girlfriend, Tashi, helped me put it out and it was, it was doing good. I mean, it was cool. I had, I had to do a lot of work, a lot of, um, it's selling more now than it is ever. You know what I'm saying? It's selling, mm. it's selling way more now. You know, everybody just, it had to build up the momentum. I just built up a word of mouth. More people on the East Coast buy my books than anybody, more women on the East Coast. Anybody. Yeah, somebody in here just said it was a male Corey uh Turner. He said that um he got both of your books and you yeah, autographed them. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my partners, man. He, he, he found a lot of lot of my Facebook and Instagram friends support my book, man. A lot of yeah. you know, a lot of East Coast, Ohio, New York. Shouts out to all my readers out there, man. In Texas, all them, you know, they support it, man. And it's it's doing way better. I mean, it's doing way better than uh, I put it out in 2012, but it's doing way better now. And then I end up I end up going. I ended up going to jail for some goofy shit, and I was just sitting in jail. So the police, I don't know how me and the police got to an argument or something, but mm-hmm. uh, he Googled me. He Googled I, I, I think I told him to Google me something. I was being some smart ass. But he uh, he said, yeah, you're Arthur. So he's like, I was reading the reviews, man. Why don't you write part two of that book, man? He said, I don't read that shit, but I'm reading the reviews. They seem like they're pretty good. So he he helped me write my book. He was giving me paper and pencils every day. So I wrote part two while I was in the county jail. I wrote part two in sixty two days. Oh, that's dope. Sixty two days. Sixty two oh, okay. days. <laughs> sixty two days. I wrote Power Love Part Two, right? And I got one more. I'm gonna write part three, the trilogy, when I get enough time. I mean, I'm I'll be in my truck a lot. I'll be driving a lot, so I don't really have time. You kind of you kind of got to sit. This, you know, I got to sit in a certain area when I'm writing books. I got to sit. At a certain place in the house, you know, it's just mm-hmm. some, some rituals I do, but I can't do it in this truck. This truck, uh, I can't do shit. In this truck would drive, <laughs> drive and sleep. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So when did you like? Um, I know that um, that's a part of your your history too, as well, man. Like um, you know, you talk about truck driving and how um, you know, help you especially coming home and you know being able to you know make a nice amount of money um legal. So like when this the other guys coming home and um 
they in they in tune and they trying to find a job. I know that you said something about that you can possibly help them get truck driving jobs. Yeah, I helped I helped a lot of dudes, man, especially coming out of prison. I mean, I, this is my thing. I, I, if you ain't doing nothing, you don't have nothing going for yourself, uh, and you trying to do stuff for yourself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, damn, you should you should at least. I tell dudes to follow the same route I did. You know, I went to CR England Trucking School. It's free. You know, you ain't got to pay for nothing. They're going to teach you everything, how to drive. Only thing they want you to do is, at the, in the end is drive for them. Right. For I mean, I, I don't think that's a bad deal. They're going to teach you everything, put you in a hotel, feed you, uh, put you on the road, and you're still going to make money. While you pay them back, you're still making money. So, I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I thought about it. I said, man, that's a win-win situation for me. I'm I'm, I'm gonna jump on it, you know. And I, I didn't have to drive for about nine months, and then I started exploring the other companies, and, and then started learning more, and you know how the pay system works and all that. So, you know, it's a lot of trucking companies out here. I would advise anybody, especially getting out of prison, don't have nothing, they want to work, jump into this truck driver, man. It's, it's out here for you. You gotta worry about your boss, you ain't worry about your record. You could be a felon, and all that shit, man. Especially for a motherfucker got felons. I mean, you need to jump in this truck, man. Do something. Right. And it's a free vacation. I'm in. I'm in Iowa right now. I'd have been the. It's in a week. I'd have been to Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> I'd have been to Michigan. I just came from Chicago last night. Uh, uh, what was that? Alabama. All these places in one week. <laughs> See, yeah, you know, and that's you know, a lot of people don't even get outside of their neighborhood. You know, man. You know what I'm saying. I'm, t- I'm trying to tell these dudes, man. You know, but I mean, I got two beds. I got two beds in here, 32 inch TV, Wi Fi, crock pot, microwave. All I need is some coochie. You know, feed me a road <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, you know, every now and then I put one in, but they, I be on the road too long for them. They be like, uh uh-uh, you be out here more than 30 days. I be like, right. 30, 40 days, 50 days. You no, know, so. I understand that. So, like, I know I had, um, I had Gunner. You, you familiar with Gunner? The female gunner from your neighborhood. I had yeah, a, yeah, yeah. My little homie from the, from, the, from the phone. Yeah, she good people, right? Yeah. Yeah, we had her up here on the podcast and stuff, man. Shout out Gunner. Hey, shout out uh Brazy K at the wrong kind podcast, man. Y'all go sub up them on YouTube, man. Uh if y'all don't know, we working together um at wrong kind east podcast. Um sure. y'all definitely go follow them up, man, right now. Um, and so like also bone. So what was your mm-hmm. did you have a relationship with Bone? Yes, yeah, my big homie. Okay. You got any stories you can give us like um that you can remember? Like uh you know <laughs> I know you got lots of them, but <laughs> no, they all they all too bad, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean just growing up, you know, my homie was, you know, he, he's a big he's he's the big homie. So I mean, you know, you know, back then you would you deal with your we dealt with the homies different than they do with us now. You know what I'm saying? I looked up to the big homies. We respected the big homies. And they, you know, not it ain't like now. These niggas now trying to knock the big homies out. They trying to knock your ass out. These young niggas try to put you in, put you to sleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, other than that, I, I got some stories, but I don't want to share too many of them with, with the homies. But I mean, it's just, you know, like, we grew up in the same neighborhood. You know, he was always giving us good advice, you know, and then, you know, we was all doing our thing, you know what I'm saying? We, you know, we always, we always, you know, acknowledge each other in the streets. So that was it. Dope, dope, man, dope. 
So like, what can they um pick up your your book, man? Um, and you know, like exactly what what they gonna be reading from it? Is it strictly on like um, power of love? Like, is it like what like give me like the concept of it for the people? Well, what it is is basically it's a it's a child. He was born out of um, uh, his mother was turning the trick, and he was born uh from from a uh, like a horse son, and so uh. He's trying to get attention from his mother, and his mother keep pushing him away. So he, the same attention that he's trying to get from his mother, he gets it from the gang. You know, the homies in the streets kind of give him that attention that his mother wants. But he, he wants attention from his mother. You know, he, he's, he loves his mother. And she's steady because she's from Pyro, too. She, she gang bang. So she's pushing him away, you know. And he ended up being, out of all her children, she had two twin females and two sons. And out of all her kids, he become the one, you know, he become that one. On the banging tip and on the more successful tip, because he ended up becoming a little uh, famous—not famous, but he come, he become successful, you know, in book two. So, um, yeah, it's, it's based on a true story. Names been switched around, you know, and it's based about the neighborhood. Most mm-hmm. of the, most of the most of the uh, the book takes place on 129th in between Avalon and San Pedro. So, you know, uh, a lot of people read it. You know, it takes them back. You know, it's a good, it's a good story. Yeah, it's it's true, and it's half of it's true, half of it's fabricated. You know, you got to mix it up. But overall, when people, when people my age read it, they kind of know what's up. They they know they're like, oh, okay, okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> youngsters under me, but people, people my age, when they read, they already know. No, <laughs> oh, dope, dope. <laughs> For sure. But I'm gonna uh, put the part three out the trilogy, and it's gonna be. I mean, if you read the book, so. Uh, part one is basically Solomon, the, the youngster, and then part two is his kids, and then part three is going to be his kids on the you know when they're grown up. So mm. It's going to be pretty interesting. And so it's I'm, like I'm, this, I'm, gen- I'm it's this generation. Yes, it's this generation, right? Right? How they do things in this generation. So uh, part three is after that's going to be a wrap. I got I got five other books that I wrote. I'm gonna put out. Dope, dope. But so right dope. now, right now I'm working on a film. It's called Worldwide Whooping, right? Mm-hmm. And basically, is uh, is how it's it's showing the blood culture outside of California. It's, there's no California bloods in this documentary, right? So so far, I've been filming in Philadelphia and uh, Alabama. So it's basically gonna give you an insight on places that people don't think where gangs are at. They are, you know, up to all the way from Laos, Africa, uh, Philly, Kiss Kiss what was that Kissimmee, Kissimmee, Florida, uh, Lima, Ohio. So uh, be on the lookout for Worldwide Whooping. Worldwide Whooping. By Creek Creek, yeah. Cali Creek Publications presents Worldwide Whooping. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So and where can they uh, follow you at? Like on what's your uh, IG information or where they can uh, get the book? Like is it on uh, Amazon or? Uh... Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah, you can, you can find Pirate Love Part 1 and 2 on Amazon Books. Also, Cali Creek Publications on my internet. Uh, then you can hit me up, Cash App. You can get an autograph. Uh, I keep books in my truck, so when I'm whenever I'm in your town, hit me up. A lot of people got my phone number. I get calls every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, my Instagram is Cali K A L I underscore K R E, which is Cali Cree. My Facebook is the same, Cali Cree. You see the red logo, the red K logo. So yeah, follow me them them two um, platforms. And uh, you can find the book on Amazon for sure. 
No, no doubt, man. I appreciate you blessing our platform, man. Again, man, I um I definitely um want to probably you know touch back bases with you on um a different interview when you do the part three. Um, right. You know, just to keep the relationship going because you know I'm media and you know shit. You're an author and uh that's definitely somebody I want to put you know on my platform. You know what I mean? I appreciate it, man. Much love to the wrong kind of East podcast. No doubt, no doubt, man. So we appreciate you, man. Uh, anything you want to leave the people with? Uh, be on the lookout for my mini, my short movie called Joe, Jealous One Envy, be dropping this year. Okay, and it's a short? It's, it's like a short, a short, short film? Man. Yes, a short film starring Mama Boo Boo. <laughs> okay. Okay, I seen her interview. That's what you told my Boo Boo, the interview I seen, right? Is yeah, that, that's my little homegirl right yeah. there. Yeah. That's, that's my, uh, my other half. Oh, dope, 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 dope. I, that's going to be dope, man. I seen uh, the interview y'all had did on uh, Street TV, man. That was dope. So, you know, definitely like right. to hear that. Uh, for sure. All right, man. I appreciate you, man. Salute, man. It's been one. Hey, man. I'm glad you had me, man. Much respect to y'all and much respect to the wrong kind East podcast. Salute, fam. All right, right, right on.